ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, go, go. This is Sports Central. On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com. Welcome into Sports Central. I am not Adam Hogue. I'm Kevin Powell. Adam Hogue is out in the desert. He is now the uh, White Sox postgame host. Well, one of two. He and Mark Carmen are... uh, He and uh, Mark Carmen. Let me pull the hotkeys down here. Here we go. Uh, Adam Hogue is out in the desert. I'm Kevin Powell filling in today on Sports Central. Much to get to. Adam will join us at about 1.40 from the desert. He's meeting all the players and checking things out at Camelback Ranch. He'll be there over the next few days. I think tomorrow and Friday he'll actually be hosting this show um, from the desert. So good for him. Chris Bowden, as I mentioned, the pre- and post-game host for the Blackhawks, will uh, join us at 1.20. A um, really cool story um, out of Blackhawks camp yesterday morning. Uh, it was a make-a-wish uh, situation. We'll get to the details there, and we'll talk to um, talk to Adam at about one forty. Want to start the show, and I'm going to fully admit that uh, I don't think there's a bias here, um, but it's no secret now that the that WGN is the flagship station to the Chicago White Sox. So there, it has been a little bit more Sox centric, wouldn't you say, Joe Romano behind the glass producing the show today? Wouldn't you say that's that's the case? Yeah, I want to be completely honest. It's not like it's some bias, like oh, we're not we're, we're going to ignore the Cubs. I mean, come on. We're going to cover both teams, of course, but over the past few weeks, one where there's some excitement and buzz around the halls here at WGN that we are the home of the White Sox and we've been doing, we've kind of been getting to know the front office people and the players and all that stuff. Um, But obviously there's a lot of Cubs news as well. So I wanted to start the show off today with, with Cubs stuff. We're going to do full like 10, 15 minutes here on Cubs. Um, You Darvish. Made his debut yesterday at Sloan Park against his former team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Cubs ended up winning 9-5. By the way, Cubs 8-2 and two this spring. Not that the record really matters at all. You know, in 2005, Joe, the Chicago White Sox... Sorry, I was supposed to make this a Cubs segment here. But hey, the White Sox, who went on to uh, have a pretty decent year that season in 2005. Um, do you know where they finished in the Cactus League standings? I'm going to go ahead and say last. Second to last. So things worked out just fine. But... Records, nobody really cares about them in spring training, but 8-2 uh, and two for the Cubs. Anyways, you Darvish, uh, first start for the Cubs this spring. His first outing was scrapped due to illness, had some dehydration stuff. So at this time of year, all teams are being overly cautious with all their players, particularly a guy who just gave over $100 million. So the way it went for Darvish yesterday was he walked Chris Taylor. Then there was a wild pitch that sent Taylor to second. Corey Seager then proceeded to strike out. Then there was a stolen base by Chris Taylor to third, and Justin Turner walked, and there was another wild pitch. So two wild pitches within the first few batters for Darvish. Chris Taylor scored from third, but then Darvish settled down a bit. He proceeded to strike out Matt Kemp, and then he got Yasiel Puig striking out, swinging to end the first. In the second inning, uh, much better, much cleaner uh, frame there. He gets Logan Forsythe to pop out. Then he gets Austin Bars to fly out. And then he strikes out the last batter. So overall, a solid day for you, Darvish. Uh, Chris Bryant talked after the game, and uh, he had this to say about Darvish joining the team and how excited he is to have Darvish on his club rather than having to face him at the plate. 
you know, excited to have you here and uh, open our arms to him, and he's going to be a huge addition for us and just a dominating picture, and I'm, I'm glad I don't have to face him. So I'm glad he's on our team. Hopefully he's going to help us win a lot of games, and um, we're here supporting him and the whole Japanese culture. So um, it's going to be a great year. Last year I asked you about moonshot, home run moonshot. <laughs> yeah. Can we expect to see the moonshot? Hopefully lots of moonshots. That'd be awesome. Um, but if they go over the fence, that's all I care about. They can go in the first row, but moonshots definitely look a whole lot better. <laughs> You're what, welcome. What makes you t- so tough to face? You, uh, his stuff just uh, is sharp. It moves. He's he throws hard, so that obviously you got to stay on the fastball. But um, his breaking stuff is really sharp, and um, anytime you have a pitcher that you know isn't just going to throw a, a loopy curveball in there, um, it's definitely not a comfortable at bat. So um, I think he's the highest K per nine in the history of whatever thousand. That's some crazy stat, but it's good to have that type of presence on the mound now. Can confirm. You Darvish strikes out a whole lot of batters. That's Chris Bryant. He went one for two yesterday against the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Ben Zobris made his debut. Of course, all eyes were on you, Darvish. Everybody wanted to see what he could do on the mound. But Ben Zobris um, back at the plate, 0-4-3 with a strikeout, but batting leadoff. And there aren't a whole lot of question marks coming out of Cubs camp this spring, and that's that's a good thing. They're just minor little details that the Cubs are going to kind of crank out and figure out as the spring goes on. And honestly, we probably won't have a better understanding of, um, you know, certain things like who the leadoff guy is going to be, how the bullpen is going to sort itself out. I think we can all pretty much agree that that leadoff spot is going to be a platoon. You're going to see Ian Happ. You're going to see Albert Almora. Joe Madden's going to play matchups. Ian Happ struck out a ton last year. Almora, not so much. Zobris hits righties better. Almora hits lefties better. And then, of course, there's Ben Zobris, the veteran, who is like basically the perfect veteran guy. Day one, when I was out there, we talked to him, and he's like, look, I'm not even interested in individual individual achievements or really goals anymore. He's going to help the team out anyway. And he, We saw that last year, where he kind of bounced around. There's even talk of him maybe filling in at first base every once in a while to spell Rizzo, which I think makes sense. Zobris is a guy that I think you can put everywhere. We've seen him in the outfield at second. Um, Maybe we'll see him at first. So uh, Ben Zobris returned to the lineup, and uh, again, that was more of a precautionary thing. He's the old guy on the team now. He's not very old, but he is the old guy on a team of uh, a a lot of young guys. So uh, anyways, he was back in the lineup. He had this to say yesterday afternoon. I feel great. Um, process was, you know, normal, you know, kind of, uh, you know, training room, strength conditioning stuff in the weight room. Uh, it's very, at this point in my career, it's just kind of something that you, you've known for years and years. So, um, you know, it's just normal, normal process, just like anything else. And, um, you know, everybody has their routines that they do before they go out for stretch. You know, people think we just show up and stretch and play the game. You know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the training room and in the weight room before uh, we get out there. So um, just basically it was just added work in the training room. What are you trying to get out of today? What are you, what, what are you trying to accomplish today? Uh, what am I trying to accomplish? Uh, I mean, I mean, same thing I'm getting out of every day. You know, I'm just I'm going out there to enjoy it. I'm going out there to work hard and to execute and um, bring some energy and um, learn, you know, grow from the experience. Whatever, whatever it is. So, uh, you know, that's my mindset. It's a growth mindset, and I'm I'm looking forward to just uh, what I can learn today, and and uh, you know, what I can learn from the guys around me. 
Ben Zobers, by the way, has t- only 23 career appearances with 11 starts at first base. His last coming with the Tampa Rays in 2010. But I don't think anybody would doubt Ben Zobers' ability to play first. Would you, Joe? Absolutely not. Actually, I want Ben Zobers to play every single position on the field, uh, including pitcher and catcher in one game. But seriously, though, I, I, I think he has the athletic ability and range to play first base. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. A guy who, who has played, you know, in the outfield, you know, I, I think he's at least been in the... He's been contention. left, he's been in right. We saw him play right in huge games. Remember NLDS against the Giants a couple years ago? Absolutely. When Hayward wasn't hitting anything and, and Madden was finally like, screw it. We can't have, we need you out of the lineup. Zobris, you're going to right. And he did fine. Yeah, he's a utility player. I think he could definitely play first. And Rizzo's going to need a break. He's like the perfect utility veteran type guy. This is uh, a Zobris quote. I think I'll play a little first base in spring so that I can spell Riz occasionally. They know I've done it recently. Besides that, it's going to be the same type of deal. I'm sure it'll be an interesting outfield rotation. Again, Zobris set out the first 11 Cactus League games with a back issue, but he uh, went 0 for 3. Joe Madden on Ben Zobris quote. I think he has his mental edge back. Two consecutive trips to the World Series in 2015 and 16. Then almost again last year. It's not easy to do. I think he has been refreshed. I think he's really ready to rock and roll. And I think you'll see a younger mental version of Zoe. I think we will too. And, uh, you know, again, he's probably going to get some at-bats in the leadoff spot. But not a ton of question marks for the, the Cubs this spring. And, that, and that's something you've been on, Kevin, since, since uh, Game 5 in the locker room. You know, that this is a team that needs a break. Yeah, and, and and I know some people hate hearing that, and I've said that over and over again, is that they're professional athletes, athletes they're millionaires, blah, 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 blah. I get it, but it's, a, it's mentally taxing. It's physically taxing. It's probably even more so mentally because they are elite athletes. You know, they, they know how to protect their bodies. They know how to get their bodies right, but I would say it's even more mentally. The travel, the, the intensity of, of the games, the high leverage moments of a game. It takes a lot on you. One of the, um, I guess, if it is a question mark, it's the bullpen. They had a ton of struggles last year, especially in the playoffs. Nobody could throw a damn strike. That was an issue. Theo and Jed have have said uh, in the offseason, they just want guys that can throw strikes. So they bring back Dunsing. And they go get Brandon Morrow, who hasn't closed full-time in a long time. But he's expected to be your Cubs closer. And he made his debut yesterday against the Dodgers. Here's what he had to say after his outing. Great. Um... I think I was, you know, 95, 98 out there without, you know, really trying to step on the gas. So that's a good sign, obviously. And um, just trying to stay within my mechanics. And like I said, just just make pitches. Without jinxing you, and I don't know if you believe in those things in baseball or not, would, you know, a closing role be a, an easier thing just from a workload perspective than what you were doing last year? Um... Well, they've already, you know, said that they would like to control the workload, and, and as closer, you're able to do that a little bit more. You know, just just throwing the ninth inning and knowing you're just going to be in that spot, um, not going, you know, multiples or multiple out saves or uh, more than three out saves. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a more controllable uh, role. Two hits, one inning for Morrow. He gave up one run. It was unearned though. Morrow, by the way, pitched in every single World Series game last year so it's understandably he is 32 i want to say 33 something like that so um it is a controllable spot in the bullpen where you don't have to overwork a guy um 
But I think I'm interested to see how Mora does fit into that closer role. I've, I have been on the record of saying that I do think that the Cubs should have signed Mora and Wade Davis. Davis, to me, even if you were going to give him four years, projects better than most relievers long-term. He's a guy with four pitches. He's a pitcher. He's not a thrower. Guy like Aroldis Chapman, he's relying on gas and a couple pitches. Wade Davis is a former starting pitcher. He knows how to get guys out. He's uh, 33, going to turn 34 in July. Okay. Morrow had this to say, by the way, quote, it takes a little while... It takes a little while when you go to Game 7 and lose, and then you have to watch the Astros go on all the late-night shows for a month and parades, and they're all over everything. You see it played back over and over again, so it's hard to escape. But for myself, I had a very successful season and postseason, nothing but good memories. I'd say he had a pretty successful season. <laughs> Not a single homer given up. Can we confirm that, Joe? I believe it was one or none. Yeah, let me look at... Uh, we can maybe yeah, get to that at the end of the show for okay, what, yeah. what I screwed up, but... Um, that's Brandon Morrow. Uh, quickly, back to um, you, Darvish, the way we started. Paul Sullivan, Tribune, had a uh, column about Darvish and the tipping of pitches. We've heard an endless amount of debate and discussion about that. Darvish got rocked in the in the World Series in his last two starts. Just an inning and two-thirds. Gave up a ton of runs. His ERA was 21-6-0. He took the loss in both games, including Game 7 in Los Angeles. The story after the series was that Darvish was pitching, uh, tipping his pitches. Darvish, quote, Obviously, the Astros are a great, strong team, so I don't know, to be honest, if they knew my pitches. Darvish said through an interpreter, quote, They could just simply be a good, strong team, and it's in part me not being at the top level in the World Series. So there's Darvish admitting that not exactly sure if they were picking up his pitches, but that he simply wasn't good enough in the World Series. I think we can all agree with that. Manager Joe Madden was asked if the Cubs had worked with Darvish this spring to eliminate any tells that would alert hitters of the pitch that was coming. Quote, he's been going about his work normally. Honestly, I don't know how much of our work is being concerned with that so much. That's overblown a bit. I don't know to what extent the Astros had him and how that played into him not having a great performance. So there you have it. So that's uh, some updates on the uh, Cubs stuff from today. Albert Almora made a hell of a catch in the outfield yesterday, and I think he left like a bloody nose or something. <laughs> so we'll try to keep you updated there. But um, that's your Cubs update. You Darvish making his spring debut for the Cubs. Same with Ben Zilbers and Brandon Mora. We promised some Cubs stuff. There's your Cubs stuff. We'll have plenty of Cubs stuff uh, for the rest of the spring and throughout the entire season. Coming up next, we'll talk with Chris Bowden, the pre- and post-game host for the Chicago Blackhawks on WGM. Some cool stuff happened at the Blackhawks practice yesterday morning, their pre-skate before they uh, won last night in overtime. So we'll get to Chris Bowden right after this. Hawks control in overtime. Taves in front. Chitty scores! Took him nine seconds! And the captain takes a feed from Kane that originates from the right wing boards in front of the Av net. And he buried it into the top shelf. And the Hawks beat the Avalanche in overtime. Two to one. All right, let's continue this love fest. There it is. It's Sports Central with Adam Hogue. On demand <gasps> and in real time on WGNRadio.com. This is Sports Central. I'm Kevin Powell filling in for Adam Hogue, although Adam will be joining us in about 20 minutes. He's out at Camelback Ranch covering the White Sox for the next few days, so we'll check in with him, get the latest from Sox Camp as well. That was a John Wideman, not a play-by-play game winner, Kane to Taves. Sounds good saying that. Kane to Taves for the winner. 
not enough of that this year. Disappointing season for the Hawks. We'll get to a little bit more on that with Chris Bowden. Um, before yesterday's game, though, something really cool. And, and the Blackhawks just continue to do great stuff off the ice. Community involvement, charity. Just some really great stuff we've seen out of... Out of um, the Blackhawks organization. Yesterday morning, Midlothian fifth grader Mason Berg pulled Jonathan Taves by down by his jersey and gave him a few playful shots. I'm 0 for 2 in the last two Taves laugh. Taves got in a fight a few uh, nights ago against Ryan Kessler of the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Taves said, quote, Mason connected with far more punches than the one I had earlier this week, so it was a little tougher today. Taves' teammates and coaches skated with Mason, who has muscular dystrophy and was rolled onto the ice in a wheelchair. Hawks made him an honorary Blackhawk for a day after the team received a request from Make-A-Wish, Illinois. Berg and his parents also were set to attend last night's game against the Avalanche, and they got a good one, Hawks, over the Avs in overtime. Um, Here's some audio from Mason Berg. Then it goes into Taves talking about the... um, the morning with Mason, and then we'll hear from Mason's mom. Uh, take a listen here. It was really fun, and I liked it when I was playing with all the guys, and then and then they fought Jonathan Tate. It was great. I think it's uh, kids like him that come out with a smile on their face, and it just doesn't seem like there's anything that can um, you know make them unhappy or. or you know, throw them off their day. He wants to be a hawk so bad, and um, today was very special. Today was very special. That's from his mom, Patty Berg. It was very special. Uh, Chris Bowden was there covering the Blackhawks for us, per usual. Chris Bowden, what'd you think of that uh, with Mason Berg yesterday morning? It was pretty funny. It's, it's always one of my favorite days of the year. I mean, this it's, it's a privilege doing what I do, and, and um covering this team but whenever they have those kind of moments and and uh the, the make-a-wish ones especially uh they 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 touch you they touch you pretty deep and um um just just the way the whole team and the, all the players em- embraced uh this 12 year old kid uh you know battling you know something that uh too many people have to battle but uh, those of us who are fortunate enough to be uh live a live a healthy lifestyle can uh, only imagine um how blessed we are with uh, not having to uh, deal with some of those challenges, but uh, the way the players embraced him and uh, yeah, the whole red carpet was was practically rolled out for him behind the scenes as well. Uh, It was great to see him uh, have a day where yeah, he can, he can put us, have a smile on his face and and mingle with uh, some of his heroes. Yeah. And it, um, it never ceases to amaze me what the Blackhawks do off, off the ice and pretty much all the major sports franchises here in Chicago do some great charity work. And, and I think the Blackhawks, just it seems like every month or so there's another cool video coming out of the Blackhawks surprising someone at their home or doing something like this. Uh, f- for you, you've been around the Hawks for years now. It's just for, it's just pretty incredible to watch what they do with the community. Yeah, I mean it's it, that's where the organization set the bar since Rocky took over, and uh, you know John and and Jay came aboard too. Uh, there was a certain standard that they they wanted to set. It hasn't always. Uh, been without bumps here or there, but uh, by the same token, there's there's an expectation level that's been raised, um, and uh, yeah, they spent this whole leading up to last night's foundation night, uh, spending a month of uh, just kind of surprising people. Uh, they, they selected locations and institutions, and and 
um, just instances where they can do what they were calling random acts of kindness and some players would go out and surprise people like at a senior's home or whether it was Joel uh, serving uh, coffee and donuts over the Dunkin' Donuts down the street from the United Center. Uh, yeah, just the way they, they've reached out to the community. And I'm, I'm sitting here outside uh, this MD Ice Arena that, that we just completed and finally finished in, in December. And, you know, for the role that's going to play um, in, in trying to expose more people to the sport, um, I mean, that's that's kind of uh, if, if you're just a diehard hockey fan and you're counting Stanley Cups and tr- consecutive trips to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, Rocky Wirtz um, and John McDonough and Jay Blunk will have that kind of footprint or imprint, however you want to put it. But in the bigger sense, the you know, uh, in a bigger scope of of uh, what their what their legacy will hold it's it's uh, doing all these things in the community and then opening up this state of the art facility which yes of course it's going to help the players who are playing for them uh, and, and try to make them as, as successful as possible but by the same tokens it's also opened the doors to practically you know it's 20 hours a day that this place is open and available for for whether it's uh you know beer leagues or 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 youth trying to learn the game or be exposed to the game um that's really kind of the 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 imprint that that uh rocky and this management staff are are really going to leave long term talking with chris bowden pre-post game host at wgen radio for your chicago blackhawks at bowden tweets on twitter all right off the ice some wonderful stuff from the blackhawks this year on the ice not a not a pretty sight for the most part, Chris. Uh, you know, before this season, as we're all kind of prepping and you, you kind of get in hockey mode and you're reading basically everything that's posted online, analysts, experts, whatever you want to call them. And there were some people that were like, "I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks don't make the playoffs." And I think for me myself, I'm like, "Please, come on!" If, if even if they're not going to contend for a Stanley Cup, I think they'll get into the postseason at least. How surprised are you overall at how this season's turned out? Real surprised, and obviously there, there's a there's a ton of different factors here. Um, you know, uh, first and foremost being the Corey Crawford injury, because they were right there in, in the thick of things. You know, when he got injured, even after even after he was out for a while, they managed to tread some water uh, right before they went on that uh, long dry spell, which practically ran from right before the All Star break to uh, you know through the end of uh, through the end of February, and they're still trying to fight and scrap their way out of it um right before that happened i think they were still sitting in the eighth seed the second wild card spot um you know they were managing to get it done well enough but since then every other team has taken off while they have struggled um i I never thought that they would struggle to score goals as much as they have this year they've scored two or fewer in 18 of the last 25 games sometimes that's gotten it done like it did last night but more times than not uh, it's not going to and uh, between the, their struggles, lighting the lamp, um, not having a goalie to save them for what have been too many defensive miscues in their own end, um, with you know a lot of inexperience on the on the blue line as well, all those things have have added up to where the Hawks are sitting right now. And um, uh, you know it, it's really going to be an interesting off season to see how Stan Bowman retools the roster because you know he expressed confidence at the trade deadline and making the two moves with Hartman and Wingles and. He came down to talk to us a couple of weeks ago about uh, how encouraged he is by some of the, the young players. And you should be with you know, the likes of Schmaltz and Debrinket and Hinnestroza and, and hopefully a couple of these defensemen can elevate their games. Uh, the bigger problem has been, you know, the guys you've come to rely upon, the, the 
the tank hasn't been as full as you'd expect it to be. And uh, you, you expect a lot more than, than Jonathan Davis with 44 points and Brandon Saad with 29 points on the season. Uh, same with Duncan Keith scoring only one goal. Brent Seabrook just 19 points. I believe those two guys last year combined for somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 points. It may have only been... Um, a handful of uh, goals each, and I don't know if it was nine and six each, but the two of them combined for almost uh, 90 points from what I can recollect total. And now when you're seeing uh, them down there, Keith with, with 29 points and one goal and Brent Seabrook with 19 points and three goals on the season, that's just kind of indicative along with Taves and, and Saad about uh, where this team has gone dry, and it's going to be interesting to see how they can try and reestablish their games. Brent Seabrook's used the season as, as a process of trying to do that, and he's gotten better since where he was early in the season. Now it's up to these other guys to, you know, whether it's tapping the fountain of youth or trying to adjust their games to the way the game is played right now. We've seen a little bit of flash from, from uh, Jonathan Taves here in the last couple of games, and uh, that's going to be the most interesting this thing to see here these last this last month of the season, whether they can – you know, start elevating their games again to at least get some positive thoughts going into the offseason. Did I hear that correctly? Two or fewer goals in 18 to last 25? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, wow. you combine that You combine that with, um, yes, there, there have been stretches where they've been extremely sloppy defensively. That West Coast trip, you know, that they just completed is a prime example of that where you know, just the puck management, hasn't been what we've become so used to and uh, you know it's one thing to look at some of the players who have less experience that you know the Osterleys the Dahlstroms the Gustafsons experiencing an NHL season for the first time uh, the rigors of it and, and you know actually those guys got late starts as well because two of them were in the minors and Osterley was a healthy scratch for so long but it's it's when you see some of the veterans making some of the uh, mistakes that they have uh, that's the alarming thing so um yeah, how much Stan Bowman is going to put his belief with some of these uh, veterans who haven't played up to snuff. I'm not sure how much of a choice he has with the contracts that they are in, but also seeing if uh, some of these other kids can elevate their game next year. And obviously the big, the big question is going to be whether Corey Crawford is going to be good to go at the, at the start of next season. That could, because, you know, if, if Stan Bowman goes into an off season not knowing whether Corey Crawford could have taken the ice by the time this season ends, he has a big decision to make in terms of what he's going to do in goal. Um, Whether he's just going to be patient enough and hope, keep his fingers crossed and hope Crawford becomes fully healthy once again, or um, I I think he has to safeguard himself, try and decide whether, you know, the two options that they're working with now are good enough or whether he's going to have to find a, you know, a, a more, I don't know what the word is, more more certain option in goal if, if Corey Crawford, you know, is still isn't ready to go uh, by the time next season rolls around. That's why I think it's so important that, you know, if by chance he does have an opportunity to get back on the ice before the end of the season, yeah. and with each passing day, it's looking more, uh, you know, less and less likely. But if that opportunity presents himself, I say you got to throw him back out there just to see how he reacts, get some game conditions under his belt, and then... You know, have Stan Bowman shape how he, you know, approaches 
that goaltending position going into the offseason as he looks ahead to next year. Yeah, you're not alone there. We talked to Troy Murray uh, just a week or two ago, and he said the same thing. If you got a chance to get out there, get out there because you got if you can't mm-hmm. miss that much playing time. You got to get your mental, um, you know, your mental mindset, you know, in place and and, and kind of going to this offseason with some sort of confidence. I do want to focus on Taves a little bit because for so many years with Taves, it was always he's the full package on the offensive mm-hmm. end, on the defensive end, he can do it all. But then the past two years, it. He's not scoring, so then he basically does become kind of one-dimensional, and he's he isn't that full-package player. And, okay, Brent Seabrook's 32, 33. Taves, Taves is my age. He's 28, 29. Like, he's, he's a veteran because he's been here for so long, but he's not like this old, aging guy. So what is it with Taves? Why has he struggled at the offensive end of things over the past two years now? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, and I'm sure he's asking himself that, too. Um, uh, you know, there's been a bit of luck involved, as as has been the case with Brandon Saad, too. Uh, you look at, you know, if you're one of these metrics guys, you know, whether you're a believer in that or not. I know Troy is not one of those. Uh, a lot of people rely on him. Even Stan Bowman says he even relies on it to a certain extent. The overall play has been, you know, above average to very good. It's just an inability to finish and, and score. And, um, you know, I I know it, I wish I had that answer and I could pass it along to Jonathan. Jonathan wishes he has that answer so he could just go out there and fix it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a bit alarming to see the production dip the way it has over the last two or three seasons. You know, whether that's a mileage thing with all the, all the hard hockey that uh, he played for his first seven or eight seasons in the league, you would hope not. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, over the past couple of seasons when he was separated from Saad, there was some question whether that was an issue. Um, and, you know, finding the right line mates. Now Saad's back, and that hasn't been a solution. So um, I, I'm interested to see how, how he finishes here. You know, he, he's coming off a good game in Los Angeles Saturday where he had some production then again last night. So, um, I mean, sometimes no matter how accomplished you are, this game, we even talked to Patrick Kane about it a couple weeks ago when he was going through a drought. No matter how accomplished you are, it doesn't mean you are immune from uh, going into dips in confidence. And I think that's happened to a lot of individuals. It may be the case with Jonathan. I know it's happened collectively to this team because this season is so unusual for them that especially you know the guys who have been around and are so used to tasting success to have you know this kind of overall failure to what uh, you know their mindset was going into the season um we even see it game to game you know Troy and I talk even during intermission sometimes even last night okay they had a strong first period they're leading one nothing you figured Colorado was going to push back and that's exactly what they did in the second period they ended up tying it and then there's a sod goal that's disallowed. And when this team has, you know, because of the way they've been trending lately with, uh, I think the record now is, you know, they, they went into last night losing 12 of their last 16. Uh, the way this team has trended lately, it's, you know, one of those, uh-oh, here we go again situations. It's almost like what... Yeah. Diehard Cub fans felt through, through all the And it years. used to be opposite with the Hawks for so many years. Yeah, it was okay. Kane exactly. will find a way to get the puck at the back of the net with, with time winding down. It was always like, how are they going to find a way to win? Now it's 
That's completely flipped. By the way, Taves last year had 21 goals in 72 games. That was his lowest output of his entire career. Keep in mind, before that, it was 23, but that was in the 12-13 season when he only played 47 games. So 21 goals last year for Taves, just 18 right now uh, this year through 67 games. So, yeah, on the offensive end, not good for Jonathan Taves. Um, So... We saw some changes after last season, Chris. We saw Jalmerson get get dealt. We saw some assistant coaching changes as well. What's going to happen this off season? Is, is has is Joe Quinville's run in Chicago over? Is is their front office changes? What are you expecting to see this off season? Deep down, I still have a. a, a if if I had to bet, uh, I'm saying you know both Stan and, and Joel are coming back. Um, you know unless. Um, their bosses wake up one day, depending on how the rest of the season goes, and and you know determine that um, you know a new voice is needed. Um, I just don't know how you top Joel Quenville. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you you can make the argument that uh, they they need to hear another voice. Players Association poll comes out today around the league. Um, you know, uh, a bunch of players were polled anonymously and. Joe Quenville was the coach voted that other players would most like to play for. Yeah. And uh, through all that he has accomplished, the second winningest coach in, in NHL history, um, yeah, you can make the argument that some of these guys need to hear a new voice, but when you're coming back to that argument, then you're saying Taves, Kane, Saad, Keith, and Seabrook are the ones tuning him out because basically everyone else on this roster – hasn't been around Joel for that long. And and if you go up to those guys, whether it's on the record or off, um, you know, they'll say it's, it's not a tune out Joel factor. You know, they, they just haven't been playing well. And if you bring someone else in with this current roster, as it is minus Corey Crawford, um, I'm not sure how successful anyone else is going to be or how much more successful that they would be with Joel Quenville. So uh, yeah, uh, long answer turned short. uh, Yeah. Unless, unless management, decides that um, that new voice is needed, um, I, I'm thinking they get at least one more swing at this one more year to see if they can uh, make some adjustments roster-wise, um, hope they find some stability in goal, that Corey Crawford does come back healthy, and um, give them give them one more shot at this because, you know, a lot of people think two first-round exits and not making the playoffs are bad enough, which... Granted, in this organization's mind, it is it is bad enough. Mm-hmm. But based on the success that those two guys have brought this organization previously, um, yeah, I, I believe the the rope is probably shortening a whole lot. But uh, I don't think they're at the end of it yet. See, that's my my stance on Q has been look you're probably not going to get a better coach in terms of X's and O's and leading a a locker room. The guy's done it all for this town. He's going to be a legend in Chicago forever. He'll be on the Mount Rushmore Mm -hmm. of of coaches. But when you, and I don't even put most of this on cue. I mean, you look at the players' performances. We just talked about Taves for the past 10 minutes about his decline over the past two years. So I don't know how you can place that on cue. I think, I think if, if they were to move on, it would simply be to hit a refresh button and maybe bring right. in some new energy, new blood, whatever it may be. But I don't think any of us could ever sit here, even even at this moment, or as we look back down the road and say, wow, Q could have done this or Q could have done that. For me, if they do move on, it would just simply be to hit that refresh button. 
Yeah, it's the old Theo Epstein theory that there's a 10-year shelf life right. on on, uh, on managers. Uh, I, I don't think that, you know, based on the accomplishments that, uh, you know, uh, Rocky and, and and John necessarily believe that with, with this head coach and this general manager, uh, to say it's impossible, I can't say that's, you know, impossible that they wouldn't make a move, but uh, based on all that that tandem has rewarded them with, and, and believe me, there, there are Q haters, there are Q haters out there, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just you just watch a Twitter timeline through the yeah. course of a game, which I try not to pay too much attention to, Every one's an expert you know the hockey snobs are all out there they have all they have all the answers so so there there's a faction that out that's out there but that's more in the um that's the fantasy social media crazy base yeah Yeah, rather than rather than the the hockey community right there are Corey crawford haters out there and he's been nothing but outstanding for this team over the past whatever five six seven years so um we shall see an interesting year for the blackhawks he's chris bowden got uh everything covered for you on your pre and post game shows at at, uh, wgn radio next game tomorrow night against the hurricanes correct chris Yep. Yeah, we'll see if uh, I, I kind of doubt that Scott Darling is going to be in net because he's had a rough year, yeah. and uh, yeah. Carolina is still scratching and clawing to stay in that. They'll see Table again and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and uh, and that's an example right there of of how this roster has 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 turned over. They were forced, based on rewarding some of these guys, they were forced to make some moves, uh, which involve some young players, and for the most part, they haven't been burned too much by it. Table might be table might be one of those guys that they they let go that uh, you know Joel was even asked about say hey do you ever think about if we still had this guy where where he put you know where, where he'd be or where we'd be and uh, you just can't you just can't think that way so we'll uh, we'll see at least visit with Scott Darling if he doesn't play and you know see Tavo and, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk uh, you know uh, that's a that's a Carolina team that's just barely on the outside looking in so with the way Darling has had his year a disappointment for them I think. They'll, they'll still throw Cam Ward in there since they don't have a back to back. So, uh, but I'm sure I'm sure Darling will get a little uh, little scoreboard tribute. Regardless, he's, he's Chris Bowden. He'll have your Hawks pregame tomorrow night, seven o'clock on seven twenty WGN and WGNRadio.com, and then of the postgame right after that. And you'll hear him on with John and Troy throughout the call as well. Chris Bowden at Bowden tweets. Thanks for joining me, Chris. Really appreciate it, man. Hey, is Hogue already taking vacation? What's going on? <laughs> We're only a month into this. I, I stabbed him in the back, and I have the, I have this show now, Chris. That's how I how I do <laughs> I things. Now he, he's enjoying himself in Arizona. He's actually on assignment. He's covering the White Sox. Is he? Uh, he's now a. Uh, are you going to provide any tips to him about how to run a post game show properly? Because Adams now he and Mark Carmen are the White Sox post game hosts for WGN. So you got any got any tips uh, for Hogue? Any. Uh, he, yeah, he can he can handle it. He probably do a better job than me. Definitely a baseball. Definitely a baseball. When I'm when I'm doing baseball, I'm just I'm just waiting for the game to end. So uh, that, that's the problem. There's no clock on it. So uh, uh, he has a lot more patience. He and, he and Carmel have a lot more patience than I could. All right, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. We'll look right. forward to hearing you on the call tomorrow night. Thanks, man. All right. That's Chris Bowden for WGN pre-post game for the Blackhawks. We will talk with Adam Hogue next. He is out in the desert. He landed this morning in Phoenix. He's out in Glendale, Camelback Ranch. We'll check in with him next here on Sports Central. WGN. WGN. This is where WGN Sports Central lives. Streaming right now with your host, Adam Hogue. I'm Kevin Powell filling in for Adam Hogue on Sports Central on this Wednesday afternoon. But Adam is in Glendale at Campbellback Ranch. How you doing, Adam? 
It's like we've switched places. We have. I know. I spent two weeks out there, and now you're out in the desert. Didn't you have like a 5 a.m. flight out of Chicago this morning? Yeah, nice two-hour nap, early wake-up call, 2.30 a.m., uh, which is always good when you have a three-and-a-half-year-old who you're trying to make sure stays quiet. But, you know, we made it in time and got here, got some a uh, little bit of insight this morning on this team, and, and I'm uh, sitting here in the WGN radio booth at Camelback Ranch, the White Sox taking on the Reds today. Good old Homer Bailey pitching for the Reds. Remember him? I remember Homer Bailey. I think I'm more excited to see Luis Robert get a start today. Yeah, I was first of the say, spring. I was like, uh, yeah, this is. That, I mean, that's the big story today. Luis Robert first uh, camel uh, first uh, cactus league start for for Luis Robert today. He's been in some B games, uh, and so far, Ricky Renteria telling us a little while ago that. Likes what he's seen from Luis Robert. Just looks like a natural player. Just uh, I haven't had a chance to see him in person yet. He just came to the states. I know you did, Kevin. But just seeing some of the uh, the video that's been out there, he just when he's standing there at the plate, he just he has that tall. Um, you know, it's almost Mike Cameron. I don't want to say King Griffey Jr. So let's keep it a Mike Cameron type. Uh, just when he's standing there at the plate, really tall center fielder type approach to the game, and everything looks fluid with him. So I'm excited to see him in person today. I think what you'll find, Adam, from just being in the clubhouse, and the more you see these guys, whether it's Kopech or Jimenez or Robert, is how imposing of players they are. They're all huge. Everyone in the clubhouse is huge, other than Yomer Sanchez. But everyone is like, you're like, holy crap. I, Rick Hahn has gone out there and just got like an incredibly athletic farm system. Everybody is is huge and, and athletically gifted on this team. Yeah, Mancato's the only one that's a little bit short, but he's a little still short, but he's filled thick. out. Yeah, he looks like yeah. he could play like, you know, cornerback for the Bears or Sure. Then they maybe they could franchise tag him. But it, um it, transition speak- tag Adam. Yeah, I know, I know. There's a little <laughs> little shot at myself. Uh, so um yeah, looking at Avi Garcia, for instance, today, who, who we've seen now for a few years, but just watching him take BP, I mean, that guy's a massive mm-hmm. uh, human being. Jose Abreu, you know all about. So I think we can add Luis Robert uh, to the mix. Eloy Jimenez, who uh, I found something interesting that Ricky Renteria said today. He said, uh, you know, he's getting closer to being able to play in the game, mm-hmm. but then he kind of said something like, whether or not that's here, we're not sure yet. Sort of a small hint that Eloy Jimenez may never even get in a, a spring training game here, which yeah. would be a well, little he's played. He's been in a like two, but he hasn't started, and it's just been very limited. I think two at bats yeah. for him this spring. Um, that would be disappointing, especially since um, <laughs> you know Rick Hahn talked the other day, and he was he was talking about. Um, I think it was on Jimenez. They went and got an MRI, and Han joked that sometimes they give players MRIs to, you know, ease the mind of the player. But he also mm-hmm. says sometimes we do it to ease the mind of the general manager, <laughs> considering yeah. how the spring is gone with Mike Rodolfo with the sprained UCL, and then the devastating injury to Jake Berger. So um, that would be a little disappointing. Um, you know, we talked about the Berger injury, and it was tough to really sugarcoat that one because everything was going so well in spring camp. But as we've heard another baseball guy in town say multiple times, progress is not linear, nor is success. So this isn't going to be some easy road. And I've, I've sort of said that to some Sox fans, too, because it's so easy to get pumped. And I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer here and, and, and be like Mr. No Fun, but things are going to happen. Injuries are going to happen. Some of these guys aren't going to pan out. And let's keep in mind that even if everything does go according to plan for the White Sox, 
Look at the Yankees. Look at the Astros. There's a whole lot of teams that are doing what the White Sox are doing. Now, the White Sox are in much better position than a lot of these teams. And again, I'm not trying to be a downer here, but things are going to happen. And to see Jimenez dealing with the patellar tendonitis and missing some time here, it's kind of a kind of a bummer. You know, he is listed on the available available position players today, okay. um, which is probably why that question came up. So I, I don't I don't mean to put fear in the White Sox fans. I think that they're still monitoring this situation, and the fact that he's listed on the lineup card as available uh, is is at least it's encouraging. encouraging. Uh, I I haven't been down here every day, so may, I can't tell you if he's been on that lineup card every single day. Well, Han uh, did say yesterday that it, it is pretty much completely precautionary at this point. So it's yeah. not like something major they even. Think could turn into, um, and again, the MRI they did have them. Everything was fine. So, um, I, I think think we'll um, just trying to give some perspective to it all. For you, sure. Adam, for you, Adam Hogue, you're out there for the next three four days or so. What what um, as you're heading out, you're putting your notes together and all that. What what are you most looking forward to seeing other than what we had kind of covered with the this incredible amount of talent and athleticism that's on display? Is there a specific guy you're looking to talk to or or um, getting a sense of, of where things are at? What are, you, what are you looking forward to most while you're out there? Yeah, well, great question. The first and obvious answer is that Michael Kopech's pitching tomorrow yeah. here at Camelback Ranch against the Royals. And, and for me, you know, once the season starts, we're not going to see Kopech, at least at the beginning. Rickon did say that Kopech is going to start the season in the minors, which is not a surprise. Uh, When he comes up, I I think we can all agree it's a good chance it happens this season uh, at some point. But when that happens, we don't really know. Michael Kopech will ultimately determine that. So just to get an opportunity here uh, in the next couple days to be able to see him up close in person, uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that opportunity uh, tomorrow when he faces the Royals, and then you know I was just really happy to see Luis Robert in the in the lineup today because these are the t- these are the guys that project long term. Right, we're not going to see them when opening day comes around. I can't wait for opening day, and it's going to be great to see the the team that they put out there. But um, you, you know, part of the great thing about coming to Camelback Ranch, if you're a fan, this you know, the last couple seasons is you you really get to look at, at some of these prospects, the future of, of the White Sox up close and personal. We're talking with Adam Hogue, who is the host of Sports Central, but I'm hosting today, and he's out in the desert covering White Sox stuff, and uh, he'll have stuff, I'm sure, at WGNRadio.com and reports and all that stuff. Adam, now the uh, one of two post-game hosts for the White Sox this season, uh, he and Mark Carmen. so uh, looking forward to that. Do you want to do a little Bears stuff for, for a minute, sure. Adam, since you yeah. are a Bears, official Bears insider? There's a tweet from Ian Rappaport, Seahawks quarterback Richard Sherman has told teammates goodbye over the past 24 hours, sources say, and that he won't be on the team. Those close to him say nothing is set in stone and there has been no official word, but clearly bears watching. Have you seen that tweet from Rappaport today, Adam? And what are your thoughts on a potential Richard Sherman? Now, I, I, I've heard the Richard Sherman stuff today. Did not see that specific tweet. How did he spell the word bears? Wow, I totally missed that. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. I'm no, you're right. You you're right. I, I'm I, honestly, I, I honestly, I was just like skimming through some notes that uh, were handed yeah. to me, and it says, "But clearly, Bears watching." And then someone did tweet in response, "Wait, the Bears are watching with a capital B." Yeah, so I'm an yeah. idiot. But um, it, he wasn't actually saying the Bears are watching. But what yeah, would your thoughts be on Richard Sherman? Now? Yeah, I don't think he he really fits the mold of what the Bears are looking for. Trying to stay yeah. younger, um, they're trying to stay. I mean, just look at the roster purge recently. Anybody who's 
close to the age of 30 is no longer on the team. Kyle Long is the oldest player on the team at 29. I think the reason why they don't want to lose Kyle Fuller is he's going to be 26 this upcoming season, still really young. So, um, yeah, Richard Sherman's proven to be a really good player, um, but I don't think he really fits what the Bears are doing right now. An interesting day for the Seahawks because they also traded Michael Bennett to the Eagles. Uh, These are moves that are expected. The the, the Seahawks, not that we're doing a Seattle radio show right now, but they're, they're a team that... I talk about this all the time, and I was talking about this about the Vikings the other day and why they should go after Kirk Cousins because these windows close so quickly. When the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, we all thought that they were going to be a a dynasty because of that defense and and how how good they looked. And the reality is um, the Patriots have really been the only team in the last couple decades that have been able to sustain success despite constant roster turnover. So the the Seahawks are in that position right now where they're shedding some of these veterans, and we'll see uh, what their roster looks like because losing Michael Bennett and Richard Sherman, that's a big change. That's a good point about the, the limited window. Remember when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, Kaepernick and Jim Harbaugh was running the team everyone thought that was a team that's going to be great for like five years to a decade they had all these draft picks coming back next year and then in a matter of two seasons they were they were they were awful so it's yeah well maybe they would have been if jim harbaugh had stuck around if Harbaugh, yeah there's so much tension they couldn't he and the yeah they couldn't hold it together and that's why you talk about uh, organizational continuity everybody needs to be on the same page which i would say right now is very encouraging between ryan pace Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback, because that's really what you need. You need that triangle to work. Kyle Fuller, any extra thoughts? I know we talked about it yesterday, the transition tag applied to him. What are your thoughts uh, today on Kyle Fuller and his situation? So what's interesting is the way it turned out actually jives with what I wrote a week ago and what I was hearing at the Combine, which was that the franchise tag or the transition tag. We keep having this conversation calling it the franchise tag because that's really what's being used. But the point being that that I was I was being told last week the franchise tag was still in play um, because basically for the reason how it all worked out, this transition tag makes a lot of sense for this unique situation because Kyle Fuller is a guy the Bears don't want to lose but he's not necessarily one of these top-tier Le'Veon Bell-type players who you absolutely need to tag to make sure you don't lose him completely. So this is going to give Kyle the opportunity to test the market, can field some offers. Teams are allowed to extend him an actual contract offer to which the Bears can then match or let him go. And I think right now the Bears are sitting in a spot where they feel like they've gauged the market and don't think he's going to be offered, certainly don't think he's going to be offered more than the $12.9 million he's going to get with the transition tag. I've been saying over and over again, I think it's going to be between 10 and 12. Um, and if it comes somewhere in that area, I feel like the Bears will be comfortable in matching and keeping Kyle Fuller. So the expectation, and I did I did uh, field a couple calls this morning on, on this to get some extra insight on it. The, the, the expectation, I think, on both sides is that Kyle Fuller will be a Bear in 2018 and just throwing in my own guess to the from what, what I've been told, I think a, I'd be surprised if he plays under the tag. I think he a long term deal will eventually be reached, but I do think Kyle 
Uh, this transition tag caught them a little bit off guard. Uh, there was an expectation that he was going to be tagged, but I didn't think they necessarily thought it was going to be the transition tag. And when this really came down to the, the wire yesterday, and I think there was even confusion on Kyle Fuller's side about what was actually happening. happening. And when the report from Ian Rappaport came out that it was a transition tag, everybody involved, I think, was a little bit caught off guard by that aspect of it and so they'll move forward I think Kyle's motivated to hit this market it's not the open market but he does hit the market and um, is hoping to get a, a big offer from a team because that's going to if that happens that's going to put the Bears in a tough spot that's Adam Hogue hey you want to stay for three or four minutes as we do Barrett headlines sure absolutely or are you getting kicked out of the booth there Camelback Ranch or you got a couple minutes no, I can sit here the whole game. The only issue could be potentially the national anthem, but I don't really know All right. when that hits. Well, just dip out if you need to. Yeah. That's Adam I'm here. Adam Hoga, Camelback Ranch. Joe, can we get the bear? There it is. And this is probably the pretty much most blatant, obvious, buried headline of the day, guys. I woke up this morning, and my right thumb is in severe pain. I'm not exactly sure what happened. I don't know, Adam. You're a few years older than me. Does this mean I'm officially old when I wake up from sleeping and I have severe pain in a certain part of the body? I have no idea what I did to my right thumb, but have you ever experienced something that Adam hoped? Sometimes if you accidentally sleep on a limb weird... Like, I'm guessing that's what you did. Yeah, but I've I've woken up with, like, you know, your shoulder's a little off or something. But my thumb, like, severe pain. I'm kind of worried about it. Hmm. Joe, your thoughts on this? You're a young buck. How old are you, Joe? I'm a big 3-0, baby. Are you seriously? 3-0. Oh, my God. Joe's older than me. I'm 28. (laughs) Um, Why did I think Joe was, like, 25 or something? (laughs) That's hilarious. Um... So anyways, guys, that's my first buried headline is that I have a, uh, a sore thumb. And I battled through the show today, Adam, because I know you needed it. You weren't here. If somebody had to step up to the plate and do Sports you, Central while you were in Arizona. So, You know, I like to grade buried headlines sometimes. And um, yesterday I would say that your Serena Williams... Was it Serena or Venus? Serena. A plus. Serena. This one, big time F. Because that, that was like from a story from August that no one had ever heard. Like, that is yeah. the quintessential buried headline. This one about your thumb hurting when you woke up, eh. Awful. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the second most important buried headline of the day, guys. And I wouldn't even say it's buried, but because uh, I saw people on social media talking about it. It's National Cereal Day. Are you aware of that? I am because the Bears put some weird Instagram oh, okay. thing out there with their own cereal, and it didn't make any sense. All right. We're, we have about two minutes here. I wrote down three of my favorite cereals, and I thought about it for about 30 seconds. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Here's a shocker. Most people don't love it, but I do. Life. Third, Honey Nut Cheerios, a solid, reliable cereal that that produces every time. Adam, your top three cereals. Um, we've got the National Anthem going here. Oh, so geez. If you want to dip re- out, go ahead. I'm going to respect the anthem. All right, go ahead. Honey Nut Cheerios, okay. number one. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's Adam Hogue from the desert. That's he awesome. He had to miss part of our cereal talk because of the National Anthem. Joe, your thoughts on cereal? Uh, Reese's Puffs. Those are wow. delicious. Yeah. Yeah, those will probably be number one because basically it's candy for breakfast. Uh, number two, I will go with... Uh, Another shocker, rice checks. You know, sometimes what the you, hell? Yeah, you need a little plane in your life every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And uh, three, I'll just go with uh, you know uh, honey nut Cheerios. Yeah, why not? See, when I was putting this, like when I was thinking of when people give me their favorite cereals, 
I'm always like, okay, well, are you looking for the cereal that my inner 12-year-old where I wanted the Reese's Puffs and Cinnamon Toast Crunch and everything that was just sugar? Right. Or am I looking for something that's like actually a pretty good cereal that's not going to give me, you know, a heart attack, but it's... You know what I mean? Like, like you kind of got to balance it out. Like, yeah. is, there should be an adult favorite cereal ranking and a child cereal ranking. Because if it's if it's a child one, I'm with you. I'm like right there with Reese's Puffs, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, obviously yeah, the goats, Krispies. Cocoa Krispies are up there. Mm-hmm. What are some other ones? Wasn't there for a while? Oh, the cookie. Oh, cookie uh, the, the fruity pebbles. Fruity pebbles. Huge fruity pebbles guy. Yeah, both pebbles. Uh, Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Peanut butter crunch. Peanut butter crunch. Big. Actually, uh, you know, I said Honey Nut Cheerios. I meant Honey Bunches of Oats. Those are good. Yeah. Those are real. That's, that's a real solid. I'd yeah. put that in the my rice top three. Rice Jacks is kind of random. I know. Yeah. But right. Yeah. It's something I, I would. Nobody do. likes Rice Jacks. You yeah. Just nobody eat them likes because they're it, healthy. You know, it fills you up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was talking cereal on Sports Central. I'm Kevin Powell, who's filling in for Adam Hogue, who's in the desert, who will be back hosting his show. From the desert tomorrow. So uh, I think the national anthem, Adam, is the anthem over. How was it? How would you grade that national anthem? Uh, solid B+. Plus. Solid B+. Plus. Yeah. Did you hear any of our cereal talk? I was saying that there should I be did. a 12-year-old cereal list and then like an adult, fairly reasonable one. See, I eat the same cereals I did back then, and I'll rank them still the same. Yeah. Um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah, that's the go. Uh, honey Nut Cheerios. Mm-hmm. Honeycombs. Interesting. Honeycombs out of nowhere. Big honeycomb guy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 12 year old Adam Hogue. Big honeycomb guy. Okay. Yeah. If I was a full blown 12 year old, I'd go probably Fruity Pebbles, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and maybe the Reese's Puff ones as well, which I never, I feel like I never got to eat enough of those because my mom would, she would never buy the sugary cereals for us. Like if she brought home Cinnamon Toast Crunch, it was gone like in two mornings. Me and my two brothers and my sister would just like destroy a box of cinnamon toast. But don't crunch. pretty much like all cereals have like isn't hot. yeah. But toast I think some, is but like sugar. But as cinnamon. a mother, isn't it kind of tough to be like, here's a bowl of sugar? At least Cheerios, like you know, like for me, it was always Cheerios. That's what we were always eating, and then it was trying yeah. to get the sugar from from mom to pour it into your bowl and mix into the Cheerios. That's what James eats. Cheerios, Cheerios, Cheerios. I like that. All right, Adam Hogue. Uh, we'll hear from you. You'll be hosting tomorrow, correct? Yeah, I believe uh, we're, we're going to have Aaron Rowan on the show. Cool, yeah. He's Strong got work. a lot of interesting things to say about Luis Robert, by the way. I would uh, ask yeah. him some stuff about that. He's like their outfielder coordinator. So, Yeah, so uh, we'll do the whole cool. show from the booth here tomorrow. Nice. Aaron Rowan, and uh, we'll try to work on some players, too, in the locker room tomorrow morning. So it should be a lot of fun here on Sports Central. All right, if you need an update on my injured thumb, I can call in at any time as well, Adam. So no, no, thank you. Let me know. Okay, have, have fun in the desert. That's Adam Hogue. I'm Kevin Powell filling in for Adam, who will be back. On. Thanks to Chris Bowden who joined the show earlier. We talked some Blackhawks. Also had a, a Cubs recap and talked about you Darvish's uh, debut in the spring. I'm Kevin Powell. Thanks to Joe Romano behind the glass. You can follow the podcast on iTunes, listen on Google Play, all that good stuff. Um, rate it. Tell everyone how much you love it. This is Sports Central. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Have a great day.